Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Tuesday episode of the show. And football, eh, it might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. And from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. We've got a deal for you. Head on over to Bet Online. And if you sign up today, you will get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your number one source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage. It is the best in the business. They even have those Vegas casino games. They have NFL draft props that you can wager on. So check it out. It is truly your number one wagering destination, and it is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. And Bet Online is where the game starts. Chris, happy Tuesday to you. Happy Tuesday to you, Joseph. A very fun show that we have lined up today. We have been um, doing our Mock Draft Monday series where we on the show are reacting to who's ever got the latest TDN mock. There was a pretty big game on Sunday that we wanted Mm. to do kind of a debrief on yesterday on the show. So the Mock Draft Monday has become a Mock Draft Tuesday, and it's you and I, and you have come up with a pretty fun way to do this, and you don't know my answers to what you have put together. So this should be a fun little exercise today. So no Kyle Krabs today. He's off, but we're here. We're going to break down Brentley Wiseman and his latest mock draft. And we've got some superlatives that we are going to work through to analyze it and um, should lead to some fun conversation. Shall we, Chris? We shall. You can you can get us started here. All right. So the first superlative, it's an easy one. Your favorite pick, your favorite per- pick among the 32 that Brentley has given out. I'll go ahead and share my answer. My favorite pick is at number 12 overall, the Minnesota Vikings selecting Jermaine Johnson, the edge from Florida State. Now, obviously, I'm all high on Jermaine Johnson right now after what he was able to do at the Senior Bowl and coming out of the scouting um, cycle where I wrote my report on him probably in December and came away with a first-round grade. And so I feel really good about his trajectory, but also feel really good about the value um, for Minnesota at 12 to get a player like Jermaine Johnson, who I think is the third best edge rusher in this class. And I think it might be closer than we might want to admit when it comes to comparing him to Kayvon Thibodeau. And for him to get to number 12 to Minnesota, a team that I think is at that point with their defensive end room where they have a couple of nice young pieces in DJ Wanham, uh, as well as uh, Patrick Jones, who they took fairly early last year. But there's some speculation on Daniil Hunter and whether or not he's going to be traded. Who knows what's going to happen with Everson Griffin, who I think is an expiring contract. And so it feels like this position group, a premium position group for Minnesota that needs some reinforcements. And I think landing a player like Jermaine Johnson at 12 is a slam dunk. So that is my favorite pick in the first round of this mock from Brentley Wiseman. So uh, you sent me your answers ahead of time, just so I had them in order to be able to produce the show properly. And so I, the only one of your answers that I saw was this one. 
And so I was like, okay, I, I love Jermaine Johnson to the Vikings, but I can't pick that one. I want to be different. I want to do something a little different than Joe. So I've gone with another pick, but I do want to echo all the sentiments that you had there for Jermaine Johnson and, and say that, yes, I agree that getting him at 12 would be a steal for the Minnesota Vikings. I am going all the way down to pick number 23, Joe. Zion Johnson to the mm, Arizona Cardinals. thought about this one myself. This, yeah. is, this is a really, really good one because this offensive line for the Arizona Cardinals has kind of deteriorated in the back half of the season. It's one of the many things that has deteriorated in the second half of the year for the Cardinals over the last couple of years. Rodney Hudson, who they traded a third-round pick for last year, is an older player, right? DJ Humphreys, who they gave the, the extension to, and he's there. He's going to be your left tackle. But Zion can play so many different spots. If they don't want to pay Hudson as he gets older, you can put Zion inside at center. We saw him do that at the Senior Bowl. He can play guard. He can play tackle. He can move inside and outside. And for a team that has had so many injury concerns at a position, at that group, having a guy like Zion Johnson that gives you that versatility who could very easily find himself as the starting right tackle in, in spot of Kelvin Beach. Like you could just play him there right away, put him out there and, and have no problem. You could also put him inside if you, if you don't want to play Josh Jones. Ultimately, I think this is a guy that gives you versatility. He gives you options because this team does have injuries at this position. So I really love this because you got to protect Kyler Murray. That's their ticket to success. And you get a guy that allows you to move him around as the situation dictates and you feel pretty confident wherever you put him on the field. I also love the message that it would send if you were to pick Zion Johnson because I feel like the most important thing that Arizona needs to do is embrace a traditional run game to go with all the dynamic ways that Kyler can beat you. And when you add Zion Johnson, you're going to improve your run game, not just because he can move bodies out of the way, but he's so good on the move. And so if you want to get guys on some longer poles and challenge the perimeter and do a lot of different things with your run scheme, I think I think this is a player that's going to allow your run scheme to be more dynamic. And obviously I love him in pass protection. And so I think in so many different ways, it sends a great message about the direction of where you want your football team to go. And so I, I think this would be a slam dunk for, for Arizona. So I thought about it myself as, as my favorite pick. So we are aligned there on the favorite pick. Let's move on to the biggest surprise. And for me, my biggest surprise is that there are only two quarterbacks in this first round, you have Malik Willis at nine to Denver, Kenny Pickett, uh, number 11 to the Washington Commanders. And on one hand, I agree. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of first round caliber quarterbacks, right? Like, I definitely love the idea of not reaching for a quarterback. I think this is where you get into, you know, the Dwayne Haskins of, of the world and the EJ Manuals of the world, where you pick one just to pick one kind of in the middle of the first round. And um, you're you're just kind of you're just kind of praying. So I like it from that perspective. But in reality, we know that more quarterbacks are going to go in the first round. I would say probably at least three. I think Matt Corral could find himself in the first round. Uh, you could talk about Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, Sam Howell. You know, I think there's enough other candidates here um, that we're going to see one more. And um, you know, the needs there. So it's not just that like more quarterbacks would typically go in the first round. It's that there are teams that need them, whether you're talking about the Saints at 18, Pittsburgh at 20, um, Tampa at 27. Who knows what's going to happen with Green Bay? I just feel like the Lions at 32. You know what I mean? I feel like there's enough players in the conversation and teams with the need that it surprises me that Brentley only had two quarterbacks going in this first round. 
It feels like the magic number is three, right, Joe? That we're going to see at least three go in, in the draft in April. I think I think Willis and Pickett are locks. And then I think you're going to see one of Hal, Ritter, Corral, Strong. One of that group yes. is probably going to be a name that gets called in the 20s, right? I think I think that seems pretty pretty realistic and pretty logical. So, yeah, I, I agree uh, that that was a little bit of a surprise. My big surprise was top seven player Trevor Penning. Mm. going number seven to the New York Giants. And listen, I know he had a good senior bowl. We were all just just loving every rep we saw from Trevor Penning, but a top seven player, I think this is the first mock I've seen where he's gone inside the top 10 and inside the top eight going seven to the Giants. Again, I think the talent justifies a conversation of him being a top 10 player, but I just think seeing it for the first time was the big surprise for me to see a guy that has been in those teens, right? We've talked about him anywhere from, where did the Ravens pick? 14. 14. He's, been a, he's yeah. been a popular spot there, 14. Um, we've seen him go, you know, 16 to 17 to the Chargers. There's all these different potential landing spots in the teens. To see him go all the way up to seven, that you you pause for a second and you go, oh, wow, this is, this is something here. You know what's fun about that is it, it is a surprise. I think you made a good choice there. Uh, Joe Shane, the new general manager for the New York Giants, had a hand in picking Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa. And so you can kind of connect the dots there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's probably some good intel there for Joe Shane. And and this isn't really a conversation we've had yet because I don't think anyone's been bold enough to put Trevor Penning at number seven. And this is one of those scenarios where the first three tackles are off the board by six because you have Iquanu and, and Neil. Neil's number one. Iquanu goes four to the Jets, then crosses six right. to the Panthers. So it's like, okay. The, the Giants in this scenario went with the edge rusher first and David Ajabo, and now they're like at number seven, and it's it's Trevor Penning, and maybe that's a reaction to Carolina picking Charles Cross. Look, if if Penning reaches his ceiling, I don't think we'll ever question him as a number seven pick, but I do think this is definitely the earliest I've seen him mocked anywhere. And I will tell you that all of the tackles going where they did impacted the way the rest of the board played yeah. out. And one of the other superlatives, I almost considered another offensive line selection. And I think it was in large part due to the way that the tackle board fell, that this team felt like we had to go get somebody. And I don't mm -hmm. know if I necessarily love who they got. Uh, and hopefully I'm, I'm hinting at something. Yeah, I didn't I think it's... I think you did. Yes. I didn't. And so we'll get yeah. to it a little bit later. But yeah, there was some consideration again, because it's a puzzle. It's a it's a big puzzle, right? And as the pieces get put yeah. together, it changes the way the entire picture looks. And so that kind of impacts the decisions that we made here for for breaking down this mock draft. Right. Just like those those final mock drafts that we put out that we want to be predictively correct. One domino goes differently than and you it think. changes everything. The whole thing screwed up. All right, let's move on to tell me why. That's our next superlative. And I would like for Brentley to tell me why Detroit at number two picks Kayvon Thibodeau over Aiden Hutchinson, who went number three. And here's the deal. I, this is a little bit of a recency thing for me because I just did the cross checks or as a staff, we all did the cross checks on Hutchinson and Thibodeau. And so we had a really good discussion um, yesterday on our staff meeting about these two players. And we all came away with an understanding that we felt like Hutchinson was a superior player. We, mm -hmm. we felt like KT's really good. Like he's one of the best prospects in this draft. I don't want anyone to think that I don't like KT because he's a stud. But 
I think Hutchins is just a better player. Like from so, a technique perspective, he's more dominant. He's better against the run. He has more ways he can, he can win as a pass rusher. And there's that whole Michigan thing, right? Like he's a Michigan man and, and him going to Detroit just really fits. I think from so many ways, not just the Michigan component, but his style of play, that relentless, aggressive, physical style of play is something that I think he brings to the table at a higher level than KT. And predictively, I think, not only should Hutchinson be the pick over Thibodeau, but like the Lions would want him over Thibodeau. Yeah, and so I'm extremely lucky in the sense that I get to eavesdrop on these cross-check conversations that you guys have on all these players, and I just get to hear every member of the TDN scouting team talk about these players. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it was you, Joe, but somebody used the word when talking about Aiden Hutchinson, and you'll correct me if I'm mistaken this for another player, but he felt, he to you guys, he felt more refined than Kayvon Thibodeau, right? That was the term yes. that was used when talking about Aiden Hutchinson. And so you add the more refinedness, you add, and I'm sorry, I'm not going to discount this, Michigan guy, Detroit Lions. Like that, that, right. that just, that just, that's got to be a thing we we talk about. Those narratives matter. That marketing matters. Um, and so, so yeah, I, I was a little surprised to see this, and I don't understand if you have the pick of both pass rushers, you're not going to pick the one that is agreed upon to be a more refined, complete talent amongst the staff. And two, makes more sense with the Detroit connection to the Lions. So I'm in agreement with you. Uh, do I get a chance to, to ask Brentley yeah, to tell me why something? So yeah. I would like Brentley to tell me why he put Derek Stingley Jr., number 10, to the New York Jets, when the first sentence of his blurb about Derek Stingley Jr. is the exact <laughs> reason why you don't take Derek Stingley Jr. I will quote from the story. Yeah, I get it. Robert Sala and this style of defense don't emphasize man-to-man corners because of scheme. Guess what? I don't care. And I will pair this with another story that came out. Connor Hughes, who covers the Jets for The Athletic, wrote a really good story. I believe it was yesterday in which he talked about the way that Sala and Douglas conducted the 2021 draft and the way they did it. And I'm not going to sidebar into an entire Jets rant, but I think it's an important note for why I picked this. Uh, Douglas wanted to do something that he did that he had done in Philly with Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson, in which Peterson told Douglas and Roseman what players work for the scheme, what players at the positions they look for, ta- skill sets that they covet at those spots. Douglas pitched the same thing to Salah, and Salah said, how about I do you one better? I'm going to get every coordinator, I'm going to get every position coach, I'm going to get everybody to talk about these players, and I want you to get every scout and everybody. This is going to be an entire collaborative process. That's exactly what they did on a Zoom meeting. Douglas, the entire scouting department, the entire makeup of the front office in a Zoom meeting with Sala, the coordinators, the position coaches, they had Miles Austin, their wide receiver coach, explain what they want in a wide receiver. Guess what? The skill set that Miles Austin delivered in what they're looking for in a receiver, it matched exactly to what they took in Elijah Moore in the second round. And so this is a team that drafts based on the scheme and based on what these position coaches want. They are not going to emphasize a player like Derek Stingley Jr. And so when... Sauce Gardner, a guy who is so much more in line with what they want to do, comes off the board only four picks later to the Ravens. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that you could just flip that and have Sauce Gardner be the number 10 pick to the Jets, and that would make more sense to me. So I need need Brentley to tell me why he took a corner that doesn't make any sense for the New York Jets. Good analysis there, Chris. I enjoyed enjoyed that that, uh, monologue there. Um, The biggest thing that I took away, that's not fair. I I liked everything you said there, but one of the biggest things that I took away was Miles Austin is a receivers coach for the Jets. That's right. Maybe wide receivers coach. <laughs> Dude was a baller in Dallas, man. I, I did not know that. So that's uh that's good information. 
What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you're online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN that you can get. NordVPN is the world's largest and best VPN service offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you also never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe. That's B-L-E-A-V to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Check them out at betterhelp.com slash draft dudes. The best way to think about therapy is through a bunch of analogies. We get our cars tuned up to prevent bigger issues down the road. We get annual checkups and go to the gym to maintain our physical wellness and to prevent injury and disease. We do chores regularly, some of us, not necessarily me, to avoid a giant mess of a house. Going to therapy is like all of these. It's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness to prevent bigger issues down the road. Going to therapy doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It means you're investing in yourself to keep your mind healthy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Why invest in everything else and not your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the Draft Network's Draft Dudes listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash draft dudes that's better help b-e-t-t-e-r-h-e-l-p.com slash draft dudes all right chris let's keep this thing moving the next superlative is sneaky good selection and this one honestly this was the one that i settled on the quickest when i was going through am i, I sneaky the same good? one do we do we i think we do oh, okay well mine is at number 26 overall the yep. tennessee titans picking Penn State wide receiver Jahan Dotson, I love this pick for so many reasons. I think we can all agree that Tennessee needs more options on offense. The idea of A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Derrick Henry is very good. That's a really nice trio of weapons, but they need a complementary piece that offers something a little bit different, and that's what Dotson gives them. This is a guy that he's a smaller receiver, but he plays way above his weight class, and I think he can play inside and outside. In fact, if you think he's a slot only, you're wrong. Like, he played the majority, the overwhelming majority of his snaps at Penn State on the outside, which allows you to maintain that interchangeability with A.J. Brown, who you want to operate as both an outside guy and as a big slot type player. And so I think the personnel groupings that you can have with Dotson because of his versatility, because he could play on the outside – because he's good in the quick game and creating after the catch, but also the vertical receiving skill set. He's good in the intermediate areas. I think he's a true three-level threat that can win in so many different ways that just would perfectly complement this arsenal of weapons that you need to improve to go with you know, Brown and Jones and Derrick Henry and give Der uh, uh, Ryan Tannehill his best chance to be successful. I think this is the perfect weapon to introduce to this offense. 
Yeah, I think what we're seeing, and, and this was my pick as well, I think what we saw this year is that Tennessee didn't necessarily recalibrate their offense properly. They lose Corey Davis, they lose Janu Smith, two of their focal point pass catchers. And obviously the expectation is A.J. Brown's going to take a step up. But then you bring in Julio Jones, who is not the Julio Jones that he was at the beginning of his career in Atlanta and is a guy that just has hamstring problems at this stage of his career. He can't stay healthy. You didn't really replace the pass catching threat that you were getting from the tight end role. Derrick Henry's not a true pass catching threat out of the backfield. So you did, you brought in Julio Jones, but I don't know how much you've improved your pass catching weaponry, if that makes any sense. So now you add a Jahan Dotson to Julio Jones, to A.J. Brown. Now, all of a sudden, okay, now I've got options. Now there are more targets in this offense for Ryan Tannehill to operate under. And, and Joe, to your point about Jahan Dotson, there's a game, and I, forgive me, I don't remember the game. They played in the snow this year in which they were wearing the white jerseys in the snow. And he was on the outside. Forget who it was against. But he had a he had a catch in the snow that I was like, that's a guy I want on my team. He battling out there in the snow, in the elements, making plays, making catches. This would be a very fun player for Tennessee. And so, yeah, getting him all the way at 26, I was I was a sneaky good selection, to use your superlative. That was what I, I agreed with you. All right. Love it. Uh, the next one is the best value pick. And for me, I have it being number 18 overall, wide receiver Jamison Williams out of Alabama to the New Orleans Saints. And... Jamison Williams is a friggin' good receiver. Uh, to me, he's the <laughs> best receiver in this draft class and, and certainly a player that I think is deserving of a pick much higher than number 18. However, he tore his ACL in the, was it the national championship game that he actually tore that thing or the, the game yes. before? It was in the national title game. So we're talking about a January ACL injury. So nine to 12 month recovery. And yeah, he's probably not going to be available to start the season. You're probably going to have to wait six or eight weeks to get him on the field. But to me, that is a worthwhile wait. And that we're not even getting into the Saints piece of this. This is just the player, uh, Jamison Williams. This is a reminiscent to me of, of Jeffrey Simmons. That year where he was you know, picked somewhere around 20, and it was after Ed Oliver and, and Christian Wilkins and um, – you knew that if he was healthy, he was deserving of a much higher pick. And for Tennessee, like credit to them, they were able to pull the trigger, be patient, and now they have a really dynamic dude here for their defensive line. And I think the same could be said for whoever winds up getting Jamison Williams. Yeah, you might not have him week one, but by week six, six seven, or eight, you're going to have a really dynamic do-everything receiver that can really stress the defenses that you're facing down the field. And for a team like the New Orleans Saints, who – I think they've been living dangerously with their pass catching options. They really haven't had a great complement of guys, even when Michael Thomas is healthy. I've wanted them to have more options in the passing game. I think if you can get Michael Thomas back healthy, if you can get Jamison Williams, you got something cooking here with a couple of nice receivers for whoever winds up playing quarterback for them. I had two. I, I put two names down here, one of which I've already talked about um, in the course of my Jets conversation. Ahmad Gardner, 14 to the Ravens, I love. I think that's great perfect value fit, for a guy. Yeah. Good, perfect fit. And I think ultimately Sauce is a guy that's going to probably move up these boards. I think as this – because, Joe, you can attest to this. You've been doing this a lot longer than I have. We talk guys out of their spot because we're bored of talking them in the spot that they're in at the time. And I think Sauce is one of those guys that because everyone's going to stop – you know, going to get tired of talking about Andrew Booth and Derek Stingley Jr. at the top, that Sauce might take the two, the number two corner spot or the number one corner spot. 
And listen, this is probably cheating, but Kyle Hamilton coming off the board at number eight, like it's just good value. Like, I'm sorry, this is a top three player, if not the best player in the class. You're getting him at number eight. You didn't have to move up for him. I mean, we, we did the cross check on him what, yesterday on our yeah. TDN staff meeting? And Kyle, I hope I'm not speaking out of school here, but I think Kyle would, would say this to everybody. It's the highest player he's graded since he's been doing this. Like, what are we, what are we talking about here? You're going to get that player at number eight? You didn't have to move up for him? Now, we can talk about the Falcons not having a long-term answer at quarterback, but just pure value of yeah. player spot, getting Kyle Hamilton at number eight is good value. Yeah, I think he's one of the best two players in this draft. So you get one of the best two players at eight. That's great value. And, you know, obviously I've written several mock drafts and every time, you know, I have Kyle Hamilton going high, right? He's, he deserves it. I get some level of feedback from that fan base. They're, oh, there's no way we're picking a safety this high. <laughs> like, okay. If, if you want to box him in as just a safety, that's fine. But this guy has the ability to impact your defense in so many ways. And he's just a rare dude. So I understand the positional value conversation, but man, he's a top two player in this draft. All right, we got the last one here, and it it is, I don't get it. (laughs) I think this is the one maybe where we are also seeing eye to eye. You kind of teased it earlier, but for me, it is at number 31, Cincinnati Bengals, picking Darian Kennard, offensive lineman from Kentucky. And I completely get the Cincinnati Bengals drafting an offensive lineman with their first pick. I think we can all agree that that is a smart thing for them to do. I mean, it's kind of amazing that they went as far as they did with this offensive line. And obviously it wind up being a big reason why they couldn't get it done on Sunday. But I don't think your offensive line is going to get better with Darian Kennard, who I think just needs a lot of work. Yeah, he's a big, massive, powerful dude. But there are technical concerns here, both from a footwork and a hand usage perspective that suggest to me that he's going to take time. I also have concerns about his functional mobility in terms of just his overall range and his bend. And I just think that there's a lot of concerns here with this player that has me wondering if this is the best direction for the Cincinnati Bengals to use this pick and feel like they've actually done something to help their offensive line in 2022 or maybe even 2023 because I think after watching Kennard I came away considering him more as a project with concerns that are difficult to overcome more so than a guy that I think can come in and be an answer for an offensive line early in his career the Cincinnati Bengals don't need somebody at pick 31 to be an immediate pro bowler but they need somebody to be an immediate starter for them on the offensive line and I don't know if Darian Kennard fits that idea right he's going to take work and so does that really fix the this team was in the Super Bowl Joe and mm-hmm. one of the reasons potentially the biggest reason why they lost the Super Bowl is because they couldn't protect Joe Burrow in the second half so if you can fix that the sky's the limit for this football team and I don't know if Darian Kennard is a guy they're ready to win now and if it's going to take Kennard a year two years to fix some of the issues that you just outlined is that worth the pick at 31? Now, I did not make this my selection for t- for okay. I don't get it. I This is what I was hinting at earlier, and I agree with you, but I went a different direction. And maybe you can talk me out of having this as my answer, and then I'll join <laughs> you with the, the Kennard pick. I don't get the Steelers passing on a quarterback at number 20. I really don't. And 
look, I, we, we can talk about how that there probably aren't that many first-round quarterbacks in this class, and Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett are probably the two that we consider the top of this class. But, Joe, the Steelers are kind of a win-now team, and they can't just run it with Mason Rudolph next season. Like, they just can't do that. They need to bring somebody in. And I don't know, does Matt Corral or Desmond Ritter do something for that Steelers offense that Mason Rudolph doesn't? I think so. I think those guys are both immediate upgrades over Mason Rudolph if they were to take one of those guys at 20. So, I, I, again, I just I question whether or not, because are they going to take a quarterback on day two? Are they getting an answer in free agency? Like, I think the Steelers team is designed to win right now. And so, yes, you get Kenyon Green, an interior offensive lineman, because you're going to protect whoever your quarterback is going to be. But I don't know if it matters unless you have somebody at quarterback that's going to help you long term. And again, if you want to tell me, Chris, I don't think there are that many first-round worthy quarterbacks. Okay, I understand that. But the Steelers don't have anybody in that room that is a long-term answer. And so to, to pass on an opportunity to take one in the first round, I, I, I thought was a little suspect. I was a little, I was a little confused by it. Complicated conversation. Um, that's the question that Pittsburgh's going to have to ask themselves when they're on the clock is if we pick a quarterback, do we feel like they are better than Mason Rudolph? And maybe the answer to that is yes, but if they truly are in win-now mode, will that quarterback be better for the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2022? Than Mason Rudolph, I think that's how that conversation shifts, and and I'll be honest, that's uh, that's a weird conversation. If I were Pittsburgh and I truly felt like I was in a win now mode, I would probably be interested in a veteran. You know, do, whether that. But do you, do you agree with me that the way the roster is currently constructed outside of the quarterback position? Yeah. So yeah, there's enough on this team. Yeah. So are are you gonna are you gonna forego taking a quarterback in this year's draft and go with Mason Rudolph in twenty twenty two and then push your window out with guys who now they're a year older and now you're hoping you can get somebody in twenty twenty three like it just feels weird and now now listen they trade for Aaron Rodgers they trade for Russell Wilson they trade yeah. for Deshaun Watson they trade for any of the potential big name quarterbacks that are going to be out there then yeah you don't have to take a quarterback at twenty but I have to react to this based on what I know now. And what I know now is I feel like it would be a missed opportunity to not bring at least somebody in with this pick at 20. Well, and I mean, to kind of strengthen your argument, Pittsburgh got to the playoffs this year with below average quarterback play. So, And I'd I don't think Desmond Ritter or Matt Corral can be any worse than what no. Big Ben was at times last yeah. season. I just in a lot of ways, it would be a perfect rookies. destination for them if they're going to have their best chance to succeed. All right, folks, this has been really, really fun. I hope you enjoyed this superlative style reaction to Brentley Wiseman's Mock draft. If you haven't seen it, check it out on, on the draftnetwork.com. It's on the homepage. You can dig into it and ask Brentley all the questions you want. You can find him on Twitter. I'm sure you can uh, get that at the bottom of the mock draft by clicking on the link to his Twitter profile. That is going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, share, and subscribe. Have a great rest of your day, and we look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.